0: Awesome. Amen. Why don't you grab somebody's hand real quick, and we're going to pray before we uh, get into the Bible. Did you all come to hear the word today? Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for uh, just faith, God. You said all it takes is a grain of mustard seed to move a mountain, God, and I know all of us are dealing with our own personal mountains, God. You didn't tell us to jump over the mountain. You didn't tell us to climb the mountain, God. You told us to speak to that mountain and it would be cast into the sea. And Father, the depth of the sea is in relationship to the depth of our faith. And Father, that any mountain that we deal with in our life, whether it's our family, whether it's our marriage, whether it's our job, our career, God, the destiny and plan that you have for us, whether it's uh, healing in our body or uh, pain emotionally, God, our past, God, Father, we can speak to that mountain in the name of Jesus. And it's got to jump into the sea. So, Father, I just pray that today you will stir our faith. God, you will increase the depth of our faith, Lord. And uh, help us to walk out this, this thing called being a follower of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you have in our life. In Jesus' name, if you agree what that say? Amen, amen, amen. Come on. Give God a big clap. Hey, before you, uh, why don't you go and have a seat. Don't go anywhere yet. Okay? Because if I can just, you don't know me very well, but if I could just be obedient, is I probably just obedient with God? I'm taking a real big step of faith here. Um, I was just praying, and if, can I just pray for somebody? Is that all right? Is that cool on a Sunday morning? Um, I, I was, I came in, I don't know what your name is, sweetheart, what's your name? Say again? Ashley, Um, could you come here just one second, Ashley? And um, how old are you, Ashley? 16. 16. I figured you were pretty young. And um, uh, I just, I felt like when I walked into the room uh, that, that God has been, there's a lot of questions inside of you. A lot of questions that you've been asking God. And I just felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you that those answers are coming for you. In regards to your influence, because I think that there's been a lot of questions around the people that are in your world, people that are coming in and people that are going out. And I don't know what that means to you, and, if, and listen, you don't know me, I don't, and I don't know you, but I just felt like the Lord was gonna is, is impressing upon me to let you know that the right people are coming into your world, and God is going to show you the people that need to exit your And don't let it hurt, because sometimes we question why God moves us in seasons of our life. And I just wanted to just speak to you. You're going to a new level in your worship. God's actually going to begin to give you songs to be able to sing. Maybe even already you begin to write some things down, the songs that God wants you to sing. And some of those are personal songs, but some of those are songs that you need to share with this team. That God's going to use you to be a voice in your generation. Can you just lift your hands and let me just pray for you. Father, I just thank you for the anointing that's on her life, God. I thank you that you're going to use her for this generation in a powerful way. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, let's give God a clap for that. Thank you. hope that ministers to you. You know, when you're a new guy and you don't know who I am, that's like a really tough thing to do because I don't know who you are. and, and uh, So I want to introduce myself a little bit to you. Y'all can go now if you want to. <laughs> They, aren't they great? Come on, let's give it up for your worship team. So, um, I am from the South, and usually when Australians do an American voice, you usually do our voice. Uh, you make fun of us, you know the jokes, you're a redneck, I'm a redneck, okay? Um, if you saw, how many of y'all have seen that show about the swamps and the gators and all that stuff? Well, that's my world, okay? We're, we're right in that World, And so we don't have any, you'll be able to understand everything I say. I'm not that far south, but I'm on the east coast of the United States in a place called North Carolina. I live in a city called Charlotte, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I've been there for uh, 15 years. Um, we plant, I'm sorry, 13 years. We planted our church in 2002. Like Pastor Mick said, we moved to a city that we did not know anybody. Um, I, had, I did not grow up a Christian. I grew up a good pagan. And so... <laughs> I got saved when I was in college, I'll tell you a little bit more about my story towards the end of the service, but um, I met this really cute blonde girl at a fraternity party. A fraternity is a club that basically you join in college because you need friends and so you pay to have friends and so that's what I did and so I joined this fraternity and we were having this big party one time and I met this cute blonde, her name was Penny and I fell in love with her and we got married and I've been married for 23 years now. All in a row. We didn't take any breaks in the middle of there. All to the same person. Matter of fact, I have a picture of my family. I'll throw up there just to kind of let you. That's my wife right in the middle there. <clears throat> you can always tell a good pastor about how good looking his wife is. So if you ever walk in a church and you look at the wife and you go, Ooh, then probably not the church for you. I'm just, I'm just saying that. You can tell Pastor Mick is a good pastor. Right? He married way, way above, way above. I'm sure Pastor Ronda probably has some sight problems, but just saying. <laughs> my wife, the same thing, same thing, Mick. My wife is blind, and so uh, no, I'm just kidding. So I, that's my wife in the middle. I've my, got my 17-year-old son. This is probably this is the reason why my wife is not here. My son is getting ready to graduate from high school and go into college. Uh, His name is Colby. He's 17 years old, soon to be 18. The one there to my wife's right, her name is Cassidy, and she's our youngest daughter. She's 14 years old. She's in the eighth grade, uh, getting ready to go into high school. Um, Do y'all have high school in Australia? Is that the way it works here? Okay. And then my middle daughter, that's Cabell. Um, She's just like me. She's uh, 15 years old, and she's a 10th grader, and I'm blessed. I got some great kids uh, they're all serving God. They love to go to church. They love to worship Jesus. And i, I honestly, I, I I am just truly amazed at what God has done in our family. And so we have a great church. If you ever want to check us out, FreedomHouse.cc. I have been majorly impacted by the movement of C3. Um, I know Jürgen Metesius. How many know who Jürgen Metesius is? Okay. Well, I'm on the board of his church. And he's probably my best friend. He is my best friend. Him and Leanne are, Penny and I, our best friends in the world. We spend time together all throughout the year. I go and visit him often. He comes to my church often. I go to his church often. And uh, I met him about, probably about nine years ago, eight or nine years ago, at a dinner. And it really impacted me. He bought my dinner, which is always good. And so we, we, and the cool thing about it is, he's a surfer, I'm trying to, I want to be a surfer, and so he, he is a, uh, the, the movement, I, I told this last night to the, the group at Oxford Falls, as a young pastor, um, I, I didn't, you know, I'm the least likely to be a pastor. Uh, I'm kind of not that guy, I'm a businessman, I was a businessman, and um, so when God called me to be a pastor, I was like, are you sure about this, Lord? Like, are you really, you really want me to do this? Uh, because I, I, you know, I, I kind of think a little bit differently, uh, I kind of go a little different way, and, and, and when God called me, I'd, I grew up in a word of faith church, and so it was a very charismatic, very spiritual church. I got saved in that church. And so my relationship with the Holy Spirit was phenomenal in the sense of what we learned, but what happened over time is our church kind of became a little bit irrelevant in the, in the portrayal of the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the people that are outside. And I felt real uncomfortable even bringing people to the church I grew up in. And I know that's not like C3 here, but I wanted to have a church when God called me that people would feel very comfortable in bringing their friends, but I did not want a church that didn't embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when I met Jurgen, I was kind of in... This tailspin or this dilemma on figuring out how the Holy Spirit was to be involved at Freedom House. And as a result of our relationship and getting to know Pastor Phil and Pastor Chris, it really helped me to grasp that. And so you have been, you don't know this, but you have been a very influential part of my life and I hope that we can continue to be friends and um, I love your movement I love all the people that are involved in C3 and um, I was afforded the opportunity to speak at the Americas conference last year in Las Vegas and uh, you've got some great things going on uh, not just here in Sydney but across the world so um, you should be very thankful and very grateful about what you're a part of if you're new here if you're kinda new to what's going on you're in the right place at the right time I'm telling you, you need to make sure you come back and hear the pastor of this church. I'm just a guest speaker, um, and so just just make sure you come back and visit again. And I know God will bless you in a big way. Well, I, I got I feel like I got a word for you today. I, I I'm, I've been tasked with the uh, with the opportunity to talk about uh, blueprint, this new series that we're doing here at C3. And um, I looked up the word blueprint. On Google, a Google blueprint, because I wanted to know exactly what a definition. I kind of had an idea of what a blueprint is. Um, it's a, it's what it is is a picture or a reproduction of something, and it's used specifically. It started in the early nineteenth century. It's used specifically so that you can have a fast and accurate reproduction of whatever that thing is that you have a blueprint for. So you could have a blueprint for a house, you could have a blueprint for a piece of machinery, you could have a blueprint for a building. Uh, I believe that God has a blueprint for each one of us because really what we're here on the earth to do is to reproduce Christ in people's lives. And so... What I want to do today, and I believe what's going to happen over the next few weeks, and I'm sure every pastor will say this, these are, I believe, some of the most important messages that you can hear, whether you've been a Christian your whole life, or whether you just are kind of checking, kind of kicking the tires of Christianity, because what this blueprint message is about, is about your identity. Everybody say identity. Identity. Who you are in Christ. One of the greatest questions that we all ask is, who am I? Now, here's the thing. It's easy to get confused with what you do, okay? Because most people get that out of order. Most people identify with what they do instead of who they are. See, I'm a pastor, but my identity cannot be in me being a pastor, my identity must be in Christ first and then the outworking of that is my pastoral responsibilities my 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 leading as a husband my being a father if i get those out of order then what ends up happening is i start to live for approval instead of living from acceptance okay follow me so this title of this message is called man in the mirror man In the mirror. If you have your Bible, I want you to go to James chapter one, James chapter one, and we're going to dig into this verse. And I think this verse is going to be a a foundational verse. My job is to kind of let put a little foundation, some meat around this message as you kick into it over the last few next few weeks. And so when I when I when I titled this message "Man in the Mirror," the first person I thought about who, who can think about "Man in the Mirror" Michael Jackson, the great prophet of the '90s. Um, wrote a song called Man in the Mirror. Here's the, here's the chorus of the song, Man in the Mirror. He says, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make a cha- world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. You know what I'm talking about? I think we actually have the song. Come on, can we play it a little bit? I don't know why no one a little crazy in here. (laughs) All right, let's look at the Bible before I get in trouble here. James chapter 1. You there, James chapter 1? Come on, if you didn't bring your Bible, cheat off a Christian beside you. James chapter 1, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he, you might want to circle that because he's going to basically give you... uh, kind of a difference between two different people here. He is like a man observing, that word observe means to consider, he considers his natural face in a mirror. Everybody say mirror. Now obviously you look in a mirror because you want to see what you look like, right? I look across this room and I would say most of you looked in the mirror today, so um, that's a joke by the way. Observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself, he considers himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Okay, so James tells us that this first guy, he looks in the mirror and he sees or considers his identity. But the problem is, is that his, his identity doesn't stick enough, so when he walks away, he forgets. So we need to not be like this guy, but we need to be like verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. He's talking about looking into Christ, looking into the eyes of God, looking into the word, looking into the scriptures, looking into who God, looking into this blueprint Of who God has made each one of us to be. So we can be that fast and accurate reproduction of God. God told us at the very beginning, Genesis, he said that we were made in his image according to his likeness. So the purpose of looking into the mirror of God, looking into the eyes of God to discover our identity... Is so that we can reproduce. Another way to look at it is when Jesus was asked by his disciples, he said, his disciples said, hey, Jesus, can you teach us to pray? You know, Jesus quoted that prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. See, I believe this is a connection to when God said that we were made in his image and according to his likeness is that when we act out, as the identity of God. Basically what we're doing is we are bringing the kingdom of God into whatever circumstance you're involved in. When you identify with Christ, when you discover who you are, follow me now, follow me, then you will act out or you will live out the power of God in whatever situation that is. Let me prove it to you. He says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer. He's a doer of the work. Notice what it says next. This one will be blessed in what he does. In other words, whatever area of your life that you identify God in or identify with God in will be blessed. The areas that you don't identify with God in don't carry his blessing. Now we know this is true because all of us can probably pick somebody out that comes to church every single week. They they show up on time, they serve God, they answer altar calls. But the the tough thing is, is they don't don't see change in their world. The reason is, I believe, is because they've got... We end up getting things out of order. We identify ourselves by the busyness of being a Christian, instead of recognizing who God has made us to be. Now, now here, here's the deal. Listen to me. The, the challenge is is that when it comes to identifying with Christ in the world that we live in, and I know Australia is a lot like the United States. There's a lot of pressure on you as a Christian. People are looking at you. You go to work. You'll go to work tomorrow morning. And you might, talk, you might get excited about this message. You might get excited about worship, what you're doing, the influence you're having in the community. You start talking about it. And people really, really kind of look at you weird because they're, they're thinking, why do you do this? Why, why do you act this out? Or they challenge you about certain controversial issues like homosexuality or, or gay marriage or all of those things that are issues with the church. See, here's, here's the thing. People that are outside Of God outside of the church they don't really care what you believe they don't really care about that what they're looking at your life about is they want to know if they want to be like you That's what they want to know you can you can say what you believe all day long but your life What you hear and do really becomes the reflection of who God is So don't tell me how how awesome church is and how awesome God is, but you're you're dealing always with struggles in your marriage life. They're they're looking to be like somebody. They want to connect with you on the basis of your life. They want to, I want to be a Christian. I know you do too. You want to be a follower of God, that people they envy you. They they look at you and they go, I want that marriage. I, I want that family. And and it's a result of not just saying it, but living it out. And that comes by identifying, having the correct identity with God. Write this down. Write this down if you're taking notes today. Behavior only changes when we change our belief. Behavior only changes when we change our belief. Look at your neighbor and say, I know you have a lot of BS. Come on, just look at them. Say, I know you have a lot of BS. I don't don't know what y'all laughing about. I don't know what y'all thinking about. I'm talking about your belief system. Y'all need to get saved up in here. (laughs) We all have a belief system. I believe at the core of our belief system and behavior always follows belief. Let me just give you a little parenthetical preaching moment for a second. If you you have kids, how many of y'all got kids? Raise your hand if you got kids, wave. Okay, so if, if your kids are acting up, don't try to change their behavior, find out what they believe. The reason why they're acting up is because of something that they believe. So as a parent you got to dig into why they're doing what they're doing. We try to we try to change their behavior so we give them consequences which are important. but you got to dig into well why did you do that? Why did you you know smack your sister upside the head and and why did you you know steal this? and why did you say no and why did you act like this we need to find out the the depth of it the the underlying belief system see when it comes to us we've got to discover that as well second corinthians 3 verse 18 listen to this verse but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of, of the lord are being transformed we're being transformed every time we identify with god there's transformation that happens We are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So here's some questions to ask yourself as you're discovering your identity, as you're discovering what it is at the core of your belief system. Because if you want to see changes in your marriage, changes in your career, changes in your college, changes in your your atmosphere, changes in the environment, changes in your serve, changes in your connect group, changes in all these areas, what do you believe? So do I believe I have value with God? Do I believe God really loves me? Do I believe that I'm forgiven? I'm talking about as far as the east is from the west. Or do I consistently remind God of what the mistakes I made in 1972? You know, do I believe that I'm forgiven? Do I believe that I am worth loving? These are all questions that get at the core of our identity. You guys following me? Okay, just want to make sure. All I need is about five of you. Do I believe that I can live God's best? Do do I believe God really does have a blueprint for my life? You know, seven billion people on this planet. Is Is it possible that the God of the universe can really be focusing on me? That has to do with our belief system, our identity. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Okay, so, so here's the deal. There are other things that are vying for your identity. There are other things that are pushing you to identify. in. for example, let me just give you a few of them here. The first is, is we can allow the culture to define us. We live in a culture. We live in a society. It's very easy for us to succumb to culture's identification of us. Now, culture looks at the outside. It's all about the outside. It's about if you if you look good on the outside, then I guess everything's okay on the inside. That's why you know they have Photoshop and people are mesmerized by entertainers and, and you know, makeup and and I mean there's there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if the barn needs painting, then paint the barn. I mean, that doesn't make any difference. The, the point of the matter is, is not we don't put our emphasis, that's old North, North Carolina term right there, if the barn needs painting. We, but we can't allow the outside to determine whether our identity is right with God. Just because things look good on the outside doesn't necessarily mean things are going good on the inside. Are you following me? Yeah. So, so, you know, people nip it, they tuck it, they suck it out, they lift it up, they drop it down, they pull it back. You know, they do all these things to try to feel good on the outside thinking that it's going to change what's going on on the inside, it's like the woman who was given a prophecy that she was going to live 40 more years, so this guy, you're going to live 40 more years, so she goes and she gets it nipped, she gets it tucked, she gets it lifted, she gets it pulled back and sucked out, and then as she's walking out of the doctor's office, bam, she gets hit by a bus, gets to heaven, first thing she does is she runs to God, says, what what, what happened? I I thought... You told me that I was going to live another 40 years. And God looked at her and said, well, I didn't recognize you. (laughs) That's not a true story. Not a true story. That's a joke. It's never good when God doesn't recognize you. Would you agree? (laughs) Don't let the culture define you. Don't let the culture define you. The second thing that can define us is we can let our past define us, what we went through, the circumstances that we were faced, the, the, the things that weren't done for us, the things that were done for us, the words that were spoken over us, the words that weren't spoken over us, the, the kind of the, the things that we've been given. I read, uh, somebody told me recently that we all have these things called allergens in our body. And these allergens lay dormant until the right circumstance or the right moment. And I always wondered, I would go to, to Arizona from North Carolina. North Carolina is very green. Have, we have seasons, so it you know, snows a little bit, not a whole lot, maybe once or twice during the winter. Then in the spring, all the flowers come out, and there's pollen. You know what pollen is? It really hits hard. But when I would go to Arizona, I would experience the worst sinus problems. Every time I would go to Arizona. And so I'm talking to this guy and I'm like, why is it that when I go to Arizona that this happens? Like all of this stuff happens. He says, because under the right circumstances, at the right moment, the allergens in our body can easily be released. Listen to me. When it comes to our past, if we don't completely give it over to God at the right moment... With the right circumstance, with the right word, we can allow our past to define us. See, if you don't know who you are, you will always default to who you were. If you don't know who you are, you will always default to who you were. We let our culture define us, we let our past define us, or we let others define us, the people around us. This is what's called approval addiction. It's very easy to build our identity on the fear of man instead of on the fear of God. So we do things in order to get people's approval. We try to sing better so we can get people to like us. We, we try to uh, serve more so we can get people to like us. or We try to do a, make a, you know, fulfill accomplishments in our life, be successful. And all of those things really are empty if we're doing them for the wrong reasons. They don't ever fulfill us. You can even do ministry like crazy, and it'll never fulfill you because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're looking to get approved by Pastor Phil or by Pastor Mick, and you're just trying to vie for that. I did that for a long time as a young believer. In my early 20s when I first got saved, man, it was all about getting people's approval and trying to get them to like me even more. So I wouldn't say things because I was afraid they wouldn't like me or I, I wouldn't tell them who I really was. You know, but the Bible says that we need to come to God with an unveiled face. That means we come to him vulnerable. And sometimes that means really letting down our guard around the right people, around the right people in the right circumstances, in our connect groups where it's safe, it's confidential, it's a good environment where we can just come clean and deal with these things in our life and not be so worried about getting the approval from somebody else. We can let our culture define us. We can let our past define us. We can let others define us. Now, here's what happens if we allow those things to define us. We develop what I want to talk about for the rest of the service, and that's insecurities. Insecurity. See, insecurity is rooted in rejection. And we all are born rejected. Let me say it another way. We're all born separated. That's why you need to get born again accepted. We all are born. We all are born in sin, right? That's why we come to God. That's why we're given the most powerful spiritual ability called choice. We all are given a choice to either follow God or not follow God. It's your choice. If you're sitting here and you're kind of wavering, you're always going to have that choice presented before you. Either you're going to be a follower of God or you're not going to be a follower of God. There's no middle ground. Either you're with him or you're not with him. Either you're going for him or you're going against him. There's no kind of middle ground. You're all given the choice. We're all given that choice. And so that's why Jesus, when he came to the planet, the first message that he preached he, he preached the proclamation of the acceptable year of the Lord. Wow. That we're accepted in him. When, when James talks about, let's go back to James 1 for a second. Let me, just, let me just talk about this. Because it's easy to get confused when you read the book of James because he talks a lot about works. He talks a lot, he says faith without works is dead. He's not talking about religious activity. He's not talking about doing things out of a spirit of rejection. He's talking about doing them from a position of acceptance. Yeah. Acting out our faith. And so when we identify with Christ, then we get rid of those insecurities. So, so what I want to do is I just I want to deal with one thing. Okay, this is one thing. I personally believe that insecurity is the great identity thief that we deal with. This is I mean, let's just be honest. Come on, we can be honest in church. Remember, if you lie in church, God will kill you. Just read the Bible, Acts chapter 5. People lied in church, God killed them. You lie everywhere else, but just not in church, all right? I'm joking, don't do that. So if, if we allow these other things, if we look in, let me say it another way, if we look in the wrong mirror, if we don't look in the mirror of God's, so we look in the mirror of the culture, of culture, and our past, or, or other, and there's lots of other things that try to define us, then we can develop and live insecure, So how do you how do you immobilize insecurity in your life? Because we're going to be faced with it forever. Until we go to heaven, until Jesus comes back. That sin nature is always going to be trying to creep up in us. We always want to hide behind the bush. You know, when Adam was, was, when when God came down after they sinned, God came down, was walking around, and and Adam was hiding. Him and Eve were hiding behind the bush. And, And God says, Where are you, Adam? Where, hey, where are you at? And let, let me just say this. God didn't, like, lose Adam and Eve. It wasn't like he didn't know where they were. Are you following me? Yeah. God never asks us a question that he doesn't know the answer to. Yeah. Never. So when God says, where are you, this is really mankind's question. He's constantly asking us, where are, where are we? Because we typically want to hide behind the bush. Insecure. We typically want to hide. We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to let it all out. We want to hide. We don't want to identify with him. We want to identify with the bush. We want to identify with our past, our, the culture, our sin. We want to identify with that old man because it's more comfortable to do that. It's easier to do that. So, so when Adam is sinning, he says, he goes, I, I heard your voice. I was afraid, so I hid. Insecure. Now, fear had never been introduced. Nobody told him about fear. So for him to say, I was afraid, meant that something happened in his heart as a result of the sin. So the insecurity builds itself around rejection and is is expressed through the fears that we face on a consistent basis. You guys following me? And so, so how do we immobilize insecurity? Well, in Romans chapter 12, I want to just read this verse to you. You know this verse, but I want to read one more because uh, it's kind of interesting what Paul says. It says in Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, now this is this is the verse I want to get to. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly. Everybody say highly. I'm gonna say it again. Say highly. Look at your neighbor one more time and just say highly. Not to think of himself more highly, but to think, but to think soberly. Everybody say soberly. Okay. I want to focus in on these two words as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. faith. Now, you know, obviously the Bible is translated from Greek in the New Testament to English, Old Testament, Hebrew, into English. And so the Greek word for highly doesn't mean prideful, because that's kind of the connotation that it's given by the word highly. What it means is to have an improper or wrong view or incorrect stance. What Paul is basically saying is that if we want to prove out the will of God, if we want to live as a sacrifice to him then we must have the right perspective of our life. That's why he says not to think highly, but to think soberly. The word highly in the Greek is the Greek word hyphroneo. The word soberly is the Greek word sophreneo. It's almost like a little play on words. He said, don't be hyphroneo, but be sophreneo. Don't be, have the wrong perspective, but have the right perspective. Soberly means to be in your right mind, to have a sound mind, without illusion, living purposeful. That's what that word sophreneo means. And then he says, because each one of us have been given a measure of faith. We have enough faith to live it. We have enough faith to connect with God in the right position. Now, whenever I find a word that's a little challenging, the best way to discover even a better definition of it is to go to another place that the same word is used. The only other time that this word is used is actually in Mark chapter 5 when Jesus is casting the devils out of this man. Remember the story? Is it okay if I come down here? Is that all right? I can't really see your face. I'm kind of blinded up here. And so, so... Jesus in Mark chapter 5, and I'm almost done, okay, so just follow me just for a couple seconds. Mark chapter 5, Jesus goes to this place called the Gadarenes. Remember the story? And this guy comes out of the tombs. You know, he cuts himself. He's got all these chains on him. And he's like, he's just crazy. And, and nobody can tame him, the Bible says. Nobody can help him. He's just all alone. Listen, listen. He's all isolated. He's pulled himself away from people. He's pulled himself away from civilization. He's become immobilized. He's isolated. He's disconnected. Jesus shows up. And listen, and when you read, read, the story. This is the only reason that Jesus came to this place was for this one guy. And so he shows up. He comes to Jesus. And he says to him, don't torment me. It's not my time. And you know what Jesus does? He says, come out of him. But the devils don't come out, do they? And then Jesus asks him a question. You remember the questions he asked? He says, what's your name? In other other words, identify yourself. Who are you? What's going on? And you know what he says. He goes, my name is Legion because we are many. Now, when I read that, I think about people who are dealing with the struggles of life because what has happened is they are finding themselves living multiple personalities out of insecurity, hiding behind this bush, afraid. Now, this guy was demon-possessed, and Jesus cast the demon out of him, you know, and he cast him into the pigs, and all that bacon is wasted, just goes right into the ocean. (laughs) Terrible waste of bacon. We need to talk to God about that when we get to heaven, Mac. I'm serious. I mean, I don't know about you, but I love some bacon. Can I get an amen up in here, up in here? And so, so all the pigs run. And you know what the Bible says after that? Mark chapter 5, verse 15. Listen to what it says. It says... Then they came to Jesus, all the people from the city came to Jesus, and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and freneo in his right mind. When he was presented with Jesus, he saw the true reflection of who he could be. And it says he was sitting... He was settled in his identity. He was clothed with righteousness and in his right mind. See, this is what happens when we immobilize insecurity in our life. So, how do we do it? Let me just give you three quick things. Three quick things. If you want to immobilize insecurity, write this down if you're taking notes. Write this down if you're not taking notes. (laughs) Number one is you got to see God correctly, see God correctly. See God correctly. What is your view of God? I know when I first became a Christian, I had a view of God. It wasn't the Bible view of God. It was God was looking to basically uh, judge me all the time. That was my view of God. Because I grew up in this, I went to Sunday school one time, and this this guy grabbed me because I was not a good kid. And so he grabbed me by the ear, I'll never forget the Sunday school teacher grabbed me by the ear, pulled me outside of the class because I was disrupting the class. You know, because they had the flannel graphs back in the day. You probably don't know what flannel graphs are, but these are these little patterns of, and they would put these men all over the flannel graphs. Well, they kept, they would use the same man for every person. Like, Joseph would be the same man. Gideon would be the same man. So I was like, hey, listen, that's, a, that's the same, that's Joseph from last week. <laughs> and then they'd use him again. I'm like, no, 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 that's Joseph. That, that, that is not Gideon you got to get a different guy. So I'll disrupt the class and get all mad. So he pulled me out of the classroom, walked me outside, sat me down, removed me from the class. And he said to me, you need to confess every single sin that you have or you are going to hell. That was my picture of God. And I was like, I've done a lot of things wrong. I'm going to hell. I'm going straight down because I can't remember the stuff that I did bad. (laughs) <laughs> so that was my view of God. That was the picture that I had of God. How do you view God? I read something recently that changed a lot of my picture of God. Hebrews 4:16 it says that we have the potential to come boldly to the throne of What is it? The throne of grace. Isn't it cool to know that God's throne is named grace? It's not judgment. It's the throne of grace. So my relationship with God can be no better than my view of God. The second, if you want to immobilize insecurity, is I got to see myself like God sees me. I got to see myself like God sees me. I, first, I got to see God correctly, and then I got to see myself like God sees me. How does God see me? First Peter two verse nine in the message it says, "But you are the ones chosen by God. You're chosen. Look at your neighbor, say you're chosen. Look at your other neighbor, say you were picked first. God has no second picks. He has no third picks. He has no fourth picks. He has no last picks. You are always God's first choice. No matter what you've been through in your life, you are God's first choice. It doesn't matter the pain that you're going through right now, you're God's first choice. You are chosen by God. You are chosen at this moment, in this, in this time, right now. God picked you. What you're dealing with right now is shaping your identity to be who God's created you to be. Can I get an amen? So, I mean, that's, that's what God has done for you. You've got to see yourself like God sees you. I call it the Romans 8.28 factor. All things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Notice it doesn't say all things are good. It says all things work together for the good. I don't know what things you're going through right now, but God will turn it around for his good. Why? Because you're loved by God. You're chosen by God. John, John, John 15, 16, Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. <laughs> we think we pick God. You think you rolled up in the church like, I picked you, God. No, no, no. He's been chasing you down for a long time. He saw you in the club last night. <laughs> you mean they got cameras at C3? Yeah, we follow you around. We follow you around. We know where you were last night. <laughs> really? Do you think they really know where? <laughs> i got to see myself like God sees me. And here's the third thing, immobilize insecurity, is i got to surround myself with others who see me like God sees me. i got to surround myself with others who see me like God sees me. you got to have the right people in your life. So, you know what some of us need to do? We need to go onto our iPhone, our Android, or whatever you got, and maybe you need to delete some contacts. Come on. Come on. Delete some people. Say, know what? I, I heard this recently. This, uh, this guy told me about his answering machine, like his, his voicemail. And so people would call his voicemail. And on his voicemail, it, it, said that, it said this. It says, I'm unable to answer my phone right now because I'm making some serious changes in my life. So if you'd like to leave your message at the tone, uh, he, said, he said, leave your message at the tone. If I don't call you back, you're one of those changes. <laughs> Come on, is that the voicemail y'all need to change right now? We're going to have a voicemail changing altar call today. Just bring, and Pastor Mac will get on there, and he'll be all, you know, because, I mean, just look at him. I'm scared just looking at him. I mean, I'll follow God just because Mac told me to. Proverbs 27 verse 17. It says as iron sharpens iron so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Let me just let me just close this with this story. Um, when I when I right before I got saved something tremendous happened to me. I was um, I was an alcoholic. I drank a lot. I did a lot of drugs. My mom, I grew up in a family. My mom and dad got divorced when I was 14 months old. My dad was an alcoholic. He actually died a few years of alcoholism, uh, of leukemia and cirrhosis of the liver. My mom, um, she's now a Christian, but she used to deal drugs. And so I grew up in that environment. And so um, seeing that, I made a vow, like an inner vow. First of all, because I didn't want to be like my dad. Because my dad was not a very nice person. He would show up in my world, and then he would leave. Like He would give me, my dad would give me $100 for my birthday, and then the next day ask if he could borrow $100. Like he would take, I would never, he would, just crazy stuff like that. So right before I got saved, God orchestrated this. It was amazing. He, he, I, was, I was coming home from this, uh, this, this party, and, and I was drunk, I would driven home drunk, and I lived with my grandparents at the time I was going to, co- I was going to school. Um, At a school in Richmond, Virginia Which is originally where I'm from And my grandparents Had a room on the top of their house That I lived in I was 21 years old And I'll never forget this I walked up the stairs I was a little drunk still And I turned the corner And to get into the room I was in And there was a mirror That was a part of this drawers, These drawers And as I turned around the corner I glanced into the mirror. And the very thing that I did not want to become was staring back at me. I saw my dad's face. The very person that I did not want to become, I had become. Now i tell you that because I think all of us probably have something staring us back in the mirror that we don't want there. Maybe it's an addiction nobody knows about, happens late at night. Maybe it's a a past moment that you really haven't given over to God. Maybe it's something in regards to your marriage that you know needs to be changed, but it's going to require you being vulnerable with your wife or your husband. Maybe it's something that is causing you to put a lid on your life. It's stopping you right where you are. But you know there's more for, for your life. I don't, I don't know. For me, in that moment, it was the image of becoming my father. Now, I love my father, don't get me wrong. I came to grips with who he was when I became a Christian, which happened two weeks after that. Two weeks. I met that girl, her name was Penny, at a party. She said she wasn't going to date me unless I went to church. And I said, you're really cute. I will go to church with you. (laughs) And I did. And I got saved. I mean, I'm not talking just saved. I got saved. Like my whole world changed. Because you know what? I saw the right reflection. I saw the right reflection. Why don't you just close your eyes right where you are. And I believe God is revealing to you that right reflection. Of who he's created you to be so you can identify with him. Because he's got such a great blueprint for your life. A great purpose, a great plan, a great destiny for you. And his desire is to answer all your questions. But the most important question that he wants to answer for you today is who you are in him. And I'd like to pray with you. If you're here today and and maybe you're sitting in this place and you're kind of new to this whole Christian thing. New to this church. Maybe somebody invited you. I don't don't know where you came from. But I do know God has a blueprint, a plan for you. An incredible adventure. An amazing plan. And it begins with giving your life over to him. It begins by just just giving it all to him. Not being concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow, but just giving it all to him right now in this moment. I know, I know what you're thinking. I can do it tomorrow. I can do it next week. Let me think about it. No, you need to do it right now. You need to do it right now. You're not promised tomorrow. Do it right now. Give it to him right now. Give them all you have right now. Or maybe, maybe you're here today and that false reflection is staring back at you. I want to pray for you too. If you fall into one of those categories, I'm gonna ask you to be bold right now, really bold. I'm gonna count to three, when I get to three, if that's you, I just want you to stand up on your feet and I wanna pray for you. One, just do it today. Don't let let this moment pass. Two, just stand up on your feet. I wanna pray for you specifically. Three, just stand up on your feet all across this room. Just stand up, either one of those situations. Thank you, sir, thank you, sir. Who else? Come on, you know you're not right with God, you wanna get right with God. You know that reflection is staring you back and you know things aren't right. Come on, Who, who else? I know there's a couple more people. I need to stand up. Because it's 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 dogging you every day, that reflection that you see when you wake up in the morning. God wants to change that in you. Just stand up on your feet. Just stand up right where you are. Stand up. Come on, I'll give you ten more seconds. Stand up because I'm over time. Just stand up. Just stand up. Stand up on your feet. Stand up because your marriage is gonna change. Stand up because you know you got blessing on your life. Stand up because there's ministry in your heart. Just stand up and let's let's allow God to deal with that right now in the name of Jesus. Just stand up. Five more seconds. Just stand up. Stand up. I feel like there's one more person you need to stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you stood up, I just want you to lift your hands to heaven. Lift your hands to heaven. And if you could, church, just, just, just Just reach your hands out to each one of the people that stood up today. And we're going to pray a prayer of confession, of declaration of our life. Just say this out loud. Everybody join together. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe your son Jesus picked me. I am chosen by God. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for changing my life. I receive your love today. Forgive me, Lord. Release me, God, from the prison of that wrong reflection. In Jesus' name, amen. Just just lift your hands just for one second. Just lift your hands. Father, everybody in the room, lift your hands. Father, bless you. We thank you. We honor you. God, I pray blessing and favor over these people's lives. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in their hearts, God, that they, they can discover the trueness of who you are in their life. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Come on, give God a big clap and a big shout. Thank you guys so much. God bless you. In the name
1: of